Wow, Christ is our cornerstone. Uh, let's pray as we turn to the Bible. God, I want to thank you so much that you've given us Jesus as our chief cornerstone. Jesus, your centre, your Lord, this is all about you. And we live for your honour. And as a church, we exist for your honour and glory. Thank you so much you're among us. Now, God, I pray as we turn to the Bible, you would speak to us. And I pray, God, that you would, in the way only you can, you would speak into people's lives in a way that's so specific and so direct. I pray for anyone today, God, who doesn't yet know you. Would you feed their soul and bring them into that living relationship with you, God? And I also pray for believers, God, that today you'd build them up, encourage them, the faint-hearted, be the God of comfort, be the God of encouragement. And God, envision us, build us, strengthen us, and speak to us. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting a, a new series as we, as we launch afresh as a church. The new series is entitled Keep Heart because the reality is if you lose heart, you lose all. So keep heart. And we're going to be taking several weeks going through scripture just to look at how God equips us to keep heart, sometimes through the hardest times of life. Because honestly, if you can keep heart, if we can keep heart, then God will bless us because we'll be in a good place with him. Um, when we started the church 23 years ago, started in our living room, um, we were prayed over and set in to launch the church. One of the people who prayed over us was a man by the name of Alan Scotland. And over the last few months, I've been taking long periods of time to spend time with Alan Scotland. He's been a, a real mentor and a help to me. I took a day whole day with him down in England and I've been on the phone to him most weeks and I thank God for his input and his uh, fatherly wisdom. But one of the things that he has consistently said to me as I've been processing and praying and considering, one of the things he's consistently said and he's repeated this I don't know how many times, is a quote from the psalm that I'm going to preach to you from today and it's the first verse in the psalm and let me read the quote to you and this is what he keeps telling me. And uh, I'm going to read the quote and then we'll read the whole psalm in a minute. It's Psalm 26 and it starts by saying, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Vindicate me, Lord. Say that with me. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Alan Scotland's encouragement to me is, Pete, whatever you decide to do, whatever you believe before God is right, you have to walk in integrity. And if you walk in integrity, the motive's right, God will bless it. If, however, you walk with a bad heart, if you walk in rebellion, God won't bless it. But if you walk well, if you walk with integrity and with humility and with faith, God will be in it. So let me read the whole psalm to you. This is, it says in uh, verse 1, in fact, it gives an introduction, a psalm of David. And it goes on and says, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, Lord, and put me to the test. Refine my mind's and my heart for your goodness is before my eyes and I have walked in your truth I do not sit with deceitful people nor will I go with pretenders I hate the assembly of evildoers nor will I sit with the wicked I will wash my hands in innocence and I will go around your altar Lord that I may proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving and declare your wonders Lord I love the dwelling of your house and the place where your glory remains. Do not take my soul away along with the sinners, nor my life with the men of bloodshed, 
in whose hands is wicked schemes, and whose, in whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk with my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level grounds. My foot stands on level grounds. In the congregation, I will bless the Lord. Psalm 26. Now let me just go through a few of those verses. It starts by saying, vindicate me. Vindicate me. The word vindicate means clearing someone from blame or suspicion. And he's asking God, God, would you clear me from blame or suspicion? The implication here by David praying, vindicate me, the implication is that he's unable to vindicate himself because he's asking God to do it for him. He's, he's unable to defend himself. So he's asking God to do it or he's unwilling to vindicate himself and defend himself. But he's asking God to be the one who vindicates him. And you know, it's, it's, it's in our nature as human beings to want to vindicate ourselves, isn't it? It's in our nature to say, I'm going to defend my corner and, uh, and fight my case. All of us are like that. We're just human. And, um, but what about when you can't? What about literally when you can't? When conversations are happening, when decisions are being made, when accusations are flying, and you, you, you literally can't. You, can't. you can't be in every corner to fight every corner. And actually, you choose not to. Um, when I was younger, I read a, a famous autobiography called Expect a Miracle about the life of Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was famous for the healing revivals in America in the 1940s and the 1950s. And Oral Roberts, obviously, a healing movement uh, way back in those times was such an unusual thing. And as a result, it got a lot of media attention. And he was quite frequently in, in papers or in news reports and quite often he was slandered or put down. And in the autobiography, I always remember, I read this as a, as a teenager, and I've always remembered, he made this decision, and this is so strong, he made a decision that whenever there was an article about him or a newspaper cl uh, cl clipping, these days it's blogs, right, or, or a post about you, do you know what? He made a choice. He wouldn't defend himself. He just made a choice. That God, you, you have to vindicate me. He made a choice before God that as almost as an act of faith, he would just keep walking in the fear of God. And that's what Oral Roberts did, and, and God used him and, um, and saw mighty things. That always stuck with me. Someone said, never explain yourselves. Your friends don't need it, and your enemies won't believe it. And it's true. In David's life, now you see the journey of David's life. On the outside, you see it when you read Samuel and Chronicles. And what you can see is how he's interacting with people. And actually, when you read Samuel and Chronicles, the journey of David's life, he doesn't really defend himself in front of people. You might notice that. However, when you jump to the book of Psalms, he defends himself a lot. He, well, should I say, he cries out to God to defend him a lot. And that's not in the eyes of people. That's in the eyes of God. So while he didn't defend himself to people, he did consistently read the Psalms, cry out to God to be his defense and to be his refuge. And let's go back to the verse. It says in verse 1 again, Vindicate me, Lord, for I've walked in my integrity. And I have trusted, say the word trusted, I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. So here's the question, and it's a question for me and it's a question for you. Can you actually trust God to vindicate you? Okay? Not, and we all like to be in control, right? But can you trust God to vindicate you? Can you trust God to bring about justice? Can you trust God to deal with the things you can't deal with? 
Can you trust God with your reputation? Can you trust God that he will turn it for the good? Can you just leave it with him and not pull it back? <laughs> just leave the thing that you're dealing with and the thing that I'm dealing with. Can we just leave it with God? Can we trust him? It's hugely important. Now, Jesus did this, and this is absolutely remarkable. I, I was reading, actually, this morning in, my, in my, my own devotions, I was reading Mark 14, where Jesus has just been arrested and he's brought before the, the Jewish leaders, and they're accusing him of, of all sorts of things. And this is what it says, we phrase, Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Now, what did that result in? Well, look, look, let's jump to Isaiah 53, describing the crucifixion of Jesus. It says in verse 7, He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And then in verse 10 it says, He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. So here's the thing. Jesus remained silent. He believed that God would vindicate him. He didn't fight his corner. And what was the result? Well, the death and resurrection of Jesus has brought eternal life, salvation to multitudes. God turned it for the good in a huge way. And he will see his offspring. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hands all over the world. You and I are saved because of Jesus, because he didn't open his mouth, because he didn't fight his corner, because he went to the cross, because he died and rose again. You and I are saved. Wow. So here's the deal. You don't fight your corner. Trust God to vindicate you. And just watch how God turns for the good the things that you and I couldn't. Stop trying to control it. Trust God. Walk in his ways. Keep heart. And by the way, you might be joining us today and you don't yet have a relationship with God. He really loves you. And I believe today he's brought you onto this broadcast, this church online experience for you to have a relationship with him. And uh, Jesus, who died on that cross 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross for me and for you. Why? No offence, but you're a sinner, as am I. And sinners need saved. Blood needed to be shed to cleanse our sin. And by the death of Jesus, you get to go to heaven instead of hell. You get to have a relationship with God. So today I appeal to you, turn from your sins, trust in Jesus, and become a follower of his. Make him Lord of your life. Big decision, but the best decision you could ever make. And I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this message to make that decision. So you've got to trust in God. Can you trust God to vindicate you? Let's go back to the verses. It says, vindicate me, Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Say the word integrity. Vindicate me, Lord, because I've walked in my integrity. And I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. And he goes on and describes how he has an integrity. He says, examine me, Lord, and put me to the test, refine my heart and my mind. And I pray the same. God, examine me, Lord, and examine us, Lord. Put us to the test and refine our hearts and our minds. Now, just to be clear here, David, when he's saying, I've walked in my integrity, he is not saying he's perfect. Just to be really clear on that, not one person is perfect. In fact, David in Psalm 51 says, surely I was sinful at birth. It's sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So he's not, integrity doesn't mean Oh, you've never made a mistake. It's not that you're not a sinner. What's integrity then? Okay, there was a story of a, a, a lawyer and he'd just started his new law firm. He'd just got his new offices. He was so excited. He didn't have any clients, but he was ready to go. And uh, he saw someone walking up the driveway and he thought, oh, wow, a potential client. So he got the phone. The phone wasn't actually connected yet. But he got the phone and pretended to be on the phone. 
yes, uh, we'll, yes, we'll do the deal. Yeah, agree to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get George and Aberdeen to come down and help you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, we'll I'll, in fact, I'll, I'll come and deal with it myself on site. Right, see you soon, thank you. And then he hung up the phone and said, oh, hello, as the guy walked in the door, he said, welcome, what can I do for you? And uh, the guy said, oh, I work for BT, I'm actually come to connect the, the phone line for you. <laughs> so, so what does integrity mean? Integrity doesn't mean perfection, but integrity does mean you're the real deal in private and in public. Um, David's, when he was speaking about integrity, we have a good word, it's called authenticity. It means honest with God, and honest with people to the best of your ability. It means honest about your weaknesses as well as being honest about your strengths. It means you're not putting on a persona. Integrity actually in the Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written in means completeness, completeness and consistency. It means no duality. It's not a double personality thing going on here. Uh, Kanye West, who became a Christian, uh, was interviewed by a journalist. And he was asked, so Kanye, are you now a Christian musician? And I love Kanye's answer. He said this, oh, I'm a Christian everything. And that's true. He's not just a Christian musician. He's a Christian dad. He's a Christian trainer designer. He's a Christian driving to his work. You understand? You're not just a Christian on a Sunday. You're a Christian on a Monday. Integrity means every part of your life, your inside matches your outside. Your behavior matches your beliefs. Your private life matches your public life. What you say matches what you do. That's integrity, that's authenticity. And again, none of us are perfect. Integrity means there are no shadows. That's really important. No shadowy areas, no things hidden in darkness. No things hidden in darkness. Things hidden in darkness are often demonic. When we hide things, when we try and cover up, that's the way the devil operates. God brings things into the light. And we've got to walk in the light, not walking with covering up. That's integrity. Again, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that if you make a mistake, you own it and you bring it into the light. Remember, my dad who passed away last year, um, love him so much. But, you know, when, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, mum and dad's marriage, overall it was great. But sometimes there was tension. Sometimes, and to be honest, I remember looking on sometimes and thinking, Dad, you weren't really very fair there. And I just remember in, in his latter years, him having some honest, con he, he was a follower of Jesus, and he had some honest conversations with me. And I remember him saying, son, sometimes I wasn't the best dad or husband. Uh, would you please forgive me for that? And I just think, wow, Dad, that's integrity. Integrity isn't perfection. But what it is, is you have, you have a sense of security by which you can bring anything into the light. No shadowy areas, no no-go areas. How is that possible? How is it possible to have the peace and the security to do that? Well, let's go back to the verse. In verse 3 it says, For your goodness, and another translation says, Your unfailing love is before my eyes. Your goodness or your unfailing love is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. You see, when you've got a, your eyes on the goodness of God, on the unfailing love of God, it builds into you a sense of security that enables you to, do you know what? Nothing to hide, <laughs> nothing to hide. And that's very, very powerful because this is what the cross is all about. For us, David had a concept of the unfailing love of God, but we have an even greater concept of the love of God. 
because David, the cross was in his future, but for us, the cross is in our past. That when Jesus died on the cross, it's the ultimate example of unfailing love. And when Jesus died on that cross, it clearly was an indication of how serious our sin is. I mean, look how serious our sin is, that it took the death of the Son of God to deal with it. And boy, does that humble us. I mean, you couldn't be proud knowing that, right? You couldn't be walk around with a hot head knowing that it, your sin was that serious that it took the death of the Son of God. But at the same time, the cross tells you you are so loved that Jesus is willing to die in your place. And so not only are you humbled because your sin is serious, but you're also elevated because you're so loved. And so with that sense of security, a humility and yet a deep confidence, you're able to live with no shadows. You're able to live with integrity. And that's a very, very empowering thing. So live with integrity. You know, in the middle of the psalm, there's a verse that kind of doesn't seem to fit. He's been talking about integrity and all that. But in verse 8, he says this. And this is kind of, it's like kind of out of the blue. Lord, I love the dwelling of your house. I love the dwelling of your house and the place where your glory remains. Kind of why, why is that there? I mean, he's talking about integrity. He's talking about vindicate me, God. He, he's talking about walking before him. And then he kind of, and I guess... Because he's crying out, God vindicate me, he's probably going through a hard time. I'm guessing he's not going through plain sailing. I mean, the fact he's crying out for God to vindicate him indicates that everything's not well. And yet in the middle of the hardest of times, what comes out is heart. What comes out of your heart in the middle of the hard times? In the middle of the hard times, what came out of David's heart was the understanding of the purpose of God. He says, I love the dwelling of your house. In the middle of the hard time, David was passionate about the house of God. And I want to say in the middle of this hard time, I was seriously passionate about the house of God. What will the church look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What will this vision be? Okay, I'm clear on that. And here's exactly what the vision is. We're here to be a relevant and a significant church that sees the lost one and the one winning throughout Edinburgh, the Lothians and beyond. You say, but Pete, that's the same. Yeah, I know, I know. Why would we change it? I mean, it'd be weird if we changed the vision, wouldn't it? We're on the same course. We're going for the same goal. Believe in God for a great thing in our time, in our generation, to see the lost one and the one winning throughout Edinburgh, the Lothians and beyond. We have a passion for the house of God in the middle of a crisis. But, okay, Pete, what's the values you're going to build on? Well, they haven't changed. I haven't changed. The leaders haven't changed. Our values are we love church. We honour authority. And even sometimes that's hard. But we do. And that's how we're going to walk. We, we're servant-hearted. And we are gospel-centred. And because we're gospel-centred, we understand grace. And because we're gospel-centred, we reach out to the lost, yes, but we also reach out to each other as believers and extend grace. And what's our theology? Well, good news, that hasn't changed either. We're building on the same foundation. And Paul said there is no other foundation other than Jesus Christ. We're building on the word of God by the power of the spirit of God. And as a church, as a word and spirit church, we're excited about the days ahead. He is with us, he has called us, and we're going forward. Sure, I don't know all the details, don't know where we're all going to meet. We will. We're going to gather. 
We're going to gather in homes and we're going to gather in venues. Do I believe it's big? Do I believe it's exciting? I do. I believe, honestly, best days are ahead. I really do. I know it's hard just now, but God is with us. Vindicate me, O oh God, for I've walked in my integrity. Let's take a minute to pray. Father, thank you so much. You're the God who does vindicate. Thank you, God, as we trust you. You fight our corner. We, we don't justify ourselves, you justify us. And we are not perfect. But we thank you, God, through Jesus, we've been declared righteous. And with that confidence, we walk forward. Just in God's presence, church, just take a moment to pray that prayer. Vindicate me, O God, for I've walked in my integrity. And make that decision. God, vindicate me. I'm going to walk in integrity. I'm going to walk well, God. I'm going to walk well. I'm going to keep heart, God. Make that Even if it's hard, I'm going to keep heart, God. I'm going to walk well. And please, God, be our vindicator. Be our success, God, for your glory. Pray your response to God just now. While people are praying, I am aware you might be joining us today and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And boy, does he love you. He really loves you. He is my saviour and I love him so much and I, I know he wants to be your saviour. And if that's you today and you don't know God, then right now, turn from your sins. Trust in the one who died for you and rose again. Give your life to him. And then having done that, get baptised. So if that's you today, pray this prayer with me just now. Make this your decision. Pray it one line at a time. Say, Dear Lord God, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died for me and rose again. So right now I ask your forgiveness for my sins. I turn from my sins. And I choose to now live for you. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Every part of it. Thanks for hearing my prayer and accepting me today.